0: You. I'm receiving from you as you receive from me. As also last time that we were together, the Lord put on my heart a prophetic word over our church regarding worship. And in that area, the next day I went into my office and I began to write uh, some of a sermon a few months down the line because I'm always way ahead in what I believe the Lord is speaking to us. and uh, But it was I was struggling for about 10, 15 minutes. And usually when that happens, I know the Lord's saying something different to me. So I just stopped, put it aside, uh, my Bible and my pen and my notepad, and uh, began to pray. And the Lord began to tell me that, that we are to move into a realm of worship, that the prophetic word just wasn't a three-minute session on Sunday that got us excited and then we forgot about it. Because that's, that's what I believe a lot of times, uh, the system of a church is always because, it's, it's rightfully because we have to plan our days, where we administrate our days, administrate our lives, our children, all the above, if we own businesses, we're out there in, in the field working, uh, we're having to plan things and, and sell and buy and receive and give and all the different things that we do. So we have to kind of put things together. Well, the Lord said, I, I want us to back away from just always having to have a system and begin to receive and understand what worship is all about, what you and I can walk into and why God planned from the beginning worship to be the key of the overflow of his blessings. I will tell you that God's heart is always to have an overflow of blessing, but he established from the beginning worship to be the generator of the beginning of the flow of that blessing that flows to us. And in scripture, the next three weeks, that uh, three times together, that unless the Lord says some more, I'm, I'm open. I, I'm the type of guy, I got my, I think, sometimes maybe I don't, I think I got my act together. But the reality is, if the Lord says something, I'm gonna abide by what he says and not what I think. Amen. Are you okay with that, that we do that? So as I'm saying this, the next three weeks, um, pretty much I'm sure we're going to be talking about worship, and we're going to give you three events. We're going to give you three principles of worship that I believe will bring, as we've been talking about breakthrough, this, is, uh, this three weeks will be an addendum to the long series we've been doing on breakthrough. And it's gonna be added to this series when we're all done. And here's what I'm saying to you, pray with me, because I believe this series will become a book for me. That I'm gonna write a book on this so that you can come together and make it a study discipleship book on breakthroughs of this. And this all started because God has blessed you with an ability of breakthrough in all these areas. And you've been believing it, I've been watching it, I've been seeing it, I've been experiencing it myself in all these areas, and I'm excited for our future. So turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6, and I normally don't do this, but we are going to read the whole chapter. I promise you, we'll get done by 6 o'clock this evening, (laughs) and just kidding. But as the Lord spoke to me, I I really believe, and I've been so excited, as as you're seeing the prophetic word coming out of our fine arts department, and I established what Pastor Ryan proclaimed to us today uh, through the teaching of the word. Basically, some of what he was saying is in my notes. I don't know if he called Jeremy and said, let me read Pastor's notes that he put together, but either or this is of God. Now, give the church greater revelation. So I want us to have a breakthrough and to settle ourselves and to really hear the storyline that God put together from the beginning of what worship is and why that he put worship together. It is a promise. I'm just give you something that we're going to talk about all 3 weeks. That he set apart worship not just so that he could sit there on the throne look at everybody who loves me. He set it apart because it is the way the institution, the plan, the ordained plan of God to bring overflow to you. And we're going to see it in scripture. So when we come to worship, we're coming to the starting point of everything that begets fruitfulness. Anything that is fruitful in your life always begins with worship. And all substance of our lives begins with worship. Now, the beginning is when we come to the Savior, and bow to the cross, which gives salvation, is the beginning, but after that, the beginning of all fruitfulness comes from worship. So if that's true, which it is, then why wouldn't we desire the rest of our lives to grow in the area of worship? Because if we grow in the area of worship, we're gonna grow in the area of fruitfulness. How many of you want to be more fruitful in your life? How many of you want your children, your grandchildren to be more fruitful? It's worship. So also we need to understand no matter how far we get in this, hear this, to grow in the knowledge of the Lord and the reverence of his word and his ways is a lifestyle that never goes away. We can always grow. Now last night, I was discussing the content of the sermon with Terry, um, you know, because she's next door now. And uh, so she said to me, don't try to be too charming or too witty or even too intellectual. She said to me, just be yourself. (laughs) Some of you will get it tomorrow, but that's all right. No, she didn't say that, I just wanted to have a little break there. When we come to the subject of worship, we're going back to the beginning. In the beginning, the fellowship in the garden. I want you to hear this. The fellowship in the garden, before sin interrupted at all, was worship. Worship is presenting ourselves in humility and gratitude to the one who created us and redeemed us. That's worship. Now David, King David, had a passion for worship. But he, like us, struggled in this area even though he was out there in the field with watching over the sheep and worshiped and played music and sang, wrote songs. We have them in the Bible and he was a worshiper, but he still got caught up in the religious thing. He got caught up in the system of worship instead of allowing worship to be what it truly, really is. Second Samuel chapter six, verse one, we're gonna read the whole chapter and it's the story of the Ark of the Covenant carrying it into the city. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the Ark of, the, of God on a new cart. See, David built, had a cart built for the Ark, and brought it out of the house of abinadab which was on the hill and uzzah and ahio the sons of abinadab drove the new cart and they brought it out of the house of abinadab which was on the hill accompanying the ark of god and ahio went before the ark then david and all the house of israel played music see this that's great Worship, let's get music involved in this. This is a huge thing. We're bringing the Ark of the Covenant, God himself, the presence of God into the city because we need it. He was right. It was was a good heart. All the house of it played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines and cisterns, not cisterns, on cisterns and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark of God. Pretty harsh, huh? And David became angry, frustrated, because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. Perez Uzzah means an outburst against Uzzah. It angered God. Now, but what I want you to to understand and what the Holy Spirit was beginning to ring out to me in this area. I've taught on this, but I haven't really put the picture in in the storyline. There's a lot of times that we really believe there's only a a few certain songs that produce worship or produce the the, uh, presence of God. There's certain songs that we like over other songs. There's certain instruments that we like. There's certain a plan how we do it. We start off with a, a a, a fast song, and then we slow down to a slow song, and then we get into worship. We got a system, we got a plan of worship. Now, let me just tell you this, it's not bad. It's not bad. There's times when you do worship or when you go to work and you own a business, there's times you have a plan of your business, what you do, but once in a while you have to make an adjustment, don't you? All right, and so what we're looking at in this story is David is going to have to make an attitude adjustment. David's going to have to adjust his thinking the way this worship thing works, even though if you really wanted to know, David was not only king of Israel, but he was a king of worship. He knew how to worship, but he still got into a system. And he didn't really know the the reality of the perfectness of what God established in worship regarding each one of us as individuals. Because a lot of times we're waiting on something, great music, great singing, great song, this song, that song, you know, uh, what time we do it, and the adjustment of music, All we're waiting for the system to produce the presence that angers God. That angers God. Now, let me just say this, and we're gonna to get to it. But it angers God because God knows, he established that it's the real worship that produces the overflow of blessing in your life. And he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be the people that are walking in the blessing of the Lord. And when the enemy comes in, God raises up a standard and the blessings flow in spite of the enemy and what's going on in this world. Why? Because you are a true worshiper. That's God's heart. But we look in verse nine that it begins, David was afraid of the Lord. So what happened is between David becoming angry at God, then he became fearful of God. What happened there? There was an adjustment of David's priority on worship. David began to understand why God was angered. And David recognized that even though he was, I call it, the king of worship, he got aligned too. He didn't really worship the way God established worship to be. Not that we can pat God on the back every Sunday morning with songs. But no, that worship came out of him. And when that happens, then the fullness of the presence of God is established in our lives. And the fullness of the blessings of God is established in our lives. Verse 9. David was afraid of the Lord that day. In other words, respect and honor, not angry. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David, he was so apologetic, so overwhelmed about it, David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, even though he knew the presence of God was the most important thing in his life. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household, the presence of the Lord. With the presence of the Lord, it blessed him. Now it was told, King David saying, The Lord was blessed, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that they sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Remember that statement. We're gonna get to it in a little bit. This part in verse one through 13 leaves out a lot of information. But because of time, I'm not gonna take you there. A lot of information is written in 1 Chronicles 15, write that in your notes, 1 Chronicles 15. And you could read a lot more about this story. 1 Chronicles 15 explains why they changed and moved the ark in a different way than the first time they moved it. Remember the first time was an ark, second time they carried it on their shoulders. Verse 13, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. David got it. And I'm explaining to you what he got. David didn't have his kingly garments on. He was wearing the ephod. It was an act of a priestly ministry. There were priests of the day. If you went to the temple, there were priests. The Bible says regarding Abraham, listen to this, Abraham saw Jesus 1,800 years before the cross as the Redeemer. David saw what was going going to come through the Redeemer here in verse 13 and 14. So there was a change in the the three months that the ark was there with Obed-Edom, that there was a three months where God worked with David and it changed his understanding, his revelation of worship. David saw, this is what David saw. He saw that every believer would be called into the priesthood. Because what he saw was not a ministry of formal leadership. As you have priests uh, in, in the Catholic church and different things and pastors and all that, he saw That everybody, it's the priesthood is a ministry of worship that all of us are called to do. Now follow this. I'm going to keep building on this the next three weeks. First Peter chapter two, watch what this says. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Tell your neighbor you now understand you are in high society of royal priesthood. Go ahead, just tell him. Say, I'm in high society now. So David did this because of that revelation. Verse 15. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting, And with the sound of the trumpet, still music, still things that you do. Verse 16, now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Why? Because he's wearing the priestly garment, not his kingly attire. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle, and David had erected for, that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. See that worship is the beginning of the fruitfulness. Name of the Lord. Uh, Bless the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Two things. Everyone went as priests, worshipers, and total provision manifested when there was worship. Worship. When David danced before the Lord, twirled, and did all he did in the priestly garment, the provision of God manifested, and because David was blessed, he blessed everybody else. You want your children and your children's children to be blessed? Be a worshiper. Verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, as you read that, David wasn't dancing in the nude. He was in the priestly garment. Verse 21. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father, Saul, and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this. And I will humble, I will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Fruitfulness, because he became the true worshiper. Verse 23, therefore, Michael, the daughter, Saul had no children to the day of her death now just let me just give you a statement okay everyone say pastor's opinion here 's my opinion here it wasn 't because God struck her not having a child. watch this David never went into the bedchamber with her again. Because of that, she could never become pregnant. Because if David would have gone in to her, David, his fruitfulness, would have produced a child. I want you to hear that. I want you to understand that. So you can have two people in a home that are married, but because one is a worshiper, the other one is blessed. But if you have people that choose to separate, the one that is a worshiper will be blessed and the one that is not a worshiper will not be blessed. So let me just do a little transition here because I want to get to where we really want to talk about today. Has anyone ever gone to Colorado, Colorado Springs and gone to the Broadmoor Hotel, anybody? Yeah, a few of you. Did you know that there's a plaque that explains the song America the Beautiful? That song was actually written in, a, in one of the rooms there at the Broadmoor Hotel. A woman who wrote it had been up to Pike's Peak the day before. Pastor, where are you going? Hold on. I got an explanation here. Pike's Peak is 14,111 feet in altitude. And the way it's set, it looks to the east and it looks to the west. She was captivated by the beauty of God's grace and beauty in the land and wrote the song, Purple Mountain Majesty, where she was above the fruited plains. East was the plains, west was the desert and rocks. Now, I brought that up to tell you this. High in the Rockies, there is a place that bridges what is called the watershed point of North America continent. It's a watershed point of North America. In other words, from the snow pack, from rain, everything, at that point, the water either flows to the east or flows to the west. And it serves uh, the North America continent, all right? From that point, water flows east or west. So the watershed point is what I want you to think about and for us to focus on throughout this teaching is that there is an overflow of water from there that brings the fruited plains, the song, and also will travel into the desert and to the rocks and where it travels it will produce foliage. So what we can do is then from that illustration, begin to think about worship as a watershed worship. Our passion, our goal is get to a place in our life where we as individuals collectively as a church, and those that are watching online in your home, that we become so intertwined in worship that we become that watershed that comes from God because of our worship. Not because we're perfect, but because like David did, he went before the Lord as a priest and danced before the Lord and said, as I do this more, I will become more honored by the maids because they understand the heart, the humbleness of what it takes to be a worshiper or to lead worship. So in this watershed, you make decisions that your waters flow to the plains, producing much fruit. Now, the Bible also is clear, watch this, that there is a river that flows from the throne of God. How many of you knew that? It's found in Ezekiel 47. We're not going to read that because of time. From under the threshold of the temple of God in heaven, as they worship God, it flows ever wider and ever deeper. I just want you to get that, folks. Family, everywhere it flows, there's life. There will be life. So the fruitfulness that flows from worship is the reason God calls us to worship. How many people have been deceived, even in church, that, well, oh, God doesn't need me. God doesn't, you know, God's God. He's great. He doesn't need worship. He, doesn't. he created you for worship from the beginning. And he created, quote, the kingdom system of the overflow of his blessings come through faith, in worship. God gives us the availability and the ability to make choices. He loves us and desires to bring us into a possibility of life, and he calls it worship. Again, worship. Why? From that point will come the flow of divine love and grace and blessing and provision in our lives. That's why David gave each person what he gave them. Worship is the way that fountainhead is tapped. You want the blessings of the Lord? Worship. I'm gonna say this, but the God God that we serve also says if you don't ask, you don't receive. But I wanna tell you, you wanna tap the fullness of the fountainhead of God's blessings, worship and stop complaining. So I'm gonna give you three things this passage that we read tells us regarding worship and giving us wisdom these next three weeks. First one today, will cover our need to avoid human confusion. I speak in Jesus' name. The deception of confusion regarding worship will be wiped away out of Valley Community Church and all who are listening to us. And every church that is watching at this this time or later on in other nations, it will be wiped away. You will begin to be true worshipers. David really wanted the ark to be in the capital city of Jerusalem because victory was won. Jerusalem was to be the ruling center now of Israel, the United uh, Northern 10 tribes and the Southern two tribes, which were Judah and Benjamin. And David was king overall at this time. So here's David's thoughts. We must have the presence of God. How many of you desire the presence of God? But you gotta understand the depth of what that means. And David, with all that he had, still didn't get it because he got into the system, the religious system. So let's explain what the ark was to Israel. Basically, the Ten Commandments inside of it, the blood of the covenant was on the mercy seat on the top of the ark. They would sprinkle the blood. So it's a picture of the word and the blood of Christ allowing us to come into God's presence. Because sin kicked us out of his presence. Not only worship, but also to walk with him. See, in the beginning, every single cool of the morning, God walked with Adam. And there are a lot of people who attend church, who love church, who work in church, who don't walk with God every day. They don't experience that presence because they don't understand worship. It's become a system. It's become what they like and what they don't like. See, it's more than symbolic to David. It's the presence of God. I want you to understand, worship is the presence of God. God set that up in the kingdom. So here's the key. The presence of God is welcomed by worship. system here. That's why we start with worship. We welcome the presence of God. But let's become priests. Let's become priests. Let's don't, now, I'll say that in a little bit. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm getting excited here. The presence of God is everywhere. Let me give you an explanation of the presence of God it's everywhere. It's called presence. It's a fact. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be lighted or light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. Speaking of the presence of God. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, God, because where his presence is, there's no darkness. There's one thing, the glory of the Lord. So first, talking about three Kinds of presence of God. Write this down, get it. The first is this presence of God called omnipresence, OMNI presence. is not what we are talking about in Psalm 139. It's not what it's talking about. Second, there is a covenant presence. What is a covenant presence? That is when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit resides in your spirit. He's always there, you're never alone. You know that scripture, you're never alone. Here's the third, and this is what true worshipers experience, third distinctive presence of God the Bible describes. We use the term his manifested presence. Now I've talked about this before, but it's a manifested presence. It's the presence that is doing things in you. It's the presence that speaks to you. It's the presence that gives you direction. It's the presence that enables you when times are tough. How many of you, at times when things were tough, that you just had a peace in your heart? That's the presence of God, because you're a worshiper. When you worship, your spirit is lifted, or your heart is humbled. David's heart was humbled. God made our emotions and our minds. Listen to this carefully. I said this earlier in this series. God made our emotions and our minds, and he doesn't despise your emotions or your mind like you do. Stop despising who you really are. Stop Stop allowing people to deceive you and tell you who you are. Because God gave you a mind, He, he gave you emotions so that you could really move into this third manifestation of his presence and walk in the fruitfulness. And you need to use your mind, you need to make a choice. You need to use your emotions. Amen. Some of you can dance a lot better than I can dance. Let me say it a different way. Probably all of you can dance a lot better than I can. But don't be afraid to worship. And make a joyful noise unto the Lord, even though it is noise. Amen? Hello? Amen. Amen. Because worship needs to be in the center of our life, my life, my home, your home, and the way we think. David, wanting to bring worship, built a cart to carry it, a system. Kind of like today, some try to figure out a system to do the Christian thing. I go to that church because they blah, 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 blah. Word, worship, prayer, faith. Let's do it the kingdom way. We're going to have our programs. We're going to have our stuff, but we're worshipers. And why we gather is because we love God, love one another, and we're worshipers. And we don't go around negative and feeling, you know, like death warmed over. Amen. I'm being straight with you. But this is God's plan. God says you want to be fruitful in your life. Then you need to begin to walk in your life regarding worship, and stop saying, "Well, I don't like the church now. I don't attend church because they don't do this or they don't." Well, okay, lose out. Have an Uzzah experience. Someone said, "Did you know what carts are made of?" David made a cart. They're made of boards. And big wheels. You'll get that tomorrow too. (laughs) Well, you know, the board didn't agree with that. Let's stop angering God. Let's start worshiping. The system. As they set out on the cart, they played music. Difference in worship, when the ark was carried. Remember what we read that little, how they carried it? born on the shoulders of the priests. Let me say this way, as great as our worship team is, no one can carry your worship. We have the best here. They're anointed, prophetic. But you have to carry your part like the priest carried the presence of God. And it needs to be carried by you. So when you see the worship team come in, don't wait for them to say, okay, step two, everybody stand. (laughs) All right, everybody raise your hands. Right? What do we do? Oh, the worship team's coming. Hey, I'm talking to someone. Hey, man, worship's getting ready to start. Let's go. Get in there, stand up, get ready to go. Amen. Start clapping. Start saying, praise the Lord. When are we starting? Get excited about this. See, that's what worship is. You bring it here. Because you're a priest. Hmm. You are a royal priesthood, redeemed by the blood of Christ, and it is you who are the worship carrying it on your shoulders. It's not a religion priesthood. It is a real life that a worshiper of God does. Hmm. Now let me just explain this to you. This is when David got it, feared the Lord, respected the Lord, humbled himself before the Lord. Every from that point when they carried it into Israel, Jerusalem, what did they do? Okay? Six paces set it down, and they worshiped, and they sacrificed. Now, six paces, you can either go six steps, but I believe in in literal scripture, it's talking about each pace is two steps. Every 12 steps, they stopped and worshiped God. Now you know why, by the time they got to the city, David was going nuts in his worship because the presence of God, God was so pleased by their worship, the flow of the presence of God was so huge, he could do nothing. He had to throw aside his his crown. Here, hold this. I don't need that. Threw away his robe, and he started a dance before God because he had the presence of the Lord. You know how far it was from Obed-Edom? To the city? Six miles. For six miles, every 12 steps, they stopped and worshiped and sacrificed. Whoa. That's what I'm calling worship. That's what I'm calling humbling yourself. Well, I don't go to that church because I like worshiping for 10 minutes and then get into the Word. Right? Well, they don't worship long enough. I'm going to a place who really worships that wears sandals too. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you're losing it. And then you pray and you believe God and you have faith for the word to come to pass in your life. And God is saying, I am angered by the system of man. Love your pastor. It's not about the bloodshed of sacrifice, but the recognition. The presence of God costs something to present yourself to the Lord. David recognized seeing the future for that day. He recognized it was gonna cost God to give you the ability to worship. Wow. So we come with hands lifted. We come with hearts poured out to him that were ready We're ready, we're ready. This morning at about 6.25 in my office, I was on my face before God singing to the Lord and worshiping him because I wanted the overflow, the watershed of worship to flow in Valley Community Church. And I am seeing breakthrough in this place like never before. So with all that's happening, David senses the presence of God knowing David will be able to be a blessing. You see that? that that's, that's God's heart. Again, it's, we need to, we have to worship God. But God didn't plan it for that. He planned it so he could bless you and me. And it comes through worship. So at the end of the day, all were blessed by David because he became a worshiper. David laid aside his kingly garments and twirled in dancing as a priest. It wasn't very dignified either. When he gets home, a speech was given. The speech was born out of her own dignity and she became barren. There's nothing more dignified than you following the call to worship. Doesn't matter how bad your two-step is. Some of you are saying, "What in the world's a two-step?" <laughs> Doesn't matter. Worship, shout before the Lord. Let me tell you. You know what Michael's name means in Hebrew? It's translated rivulet, rivulet. It means a tiny stream. A tiny stream, you see it in the desert. Remember watershed? Either the plains, fruitfulness, or the desert. Gives much heat, it dries up. There are people who attend church. Listen online. There are people that attend church, and they worship every Sunday. And they go home, and they did their worship thing. And the heat comes during the week, and they're all dried up. And they're making wrong decisions. And the blessings of the Lord is not flowing in their life because they did not understand what it really means to be a worshiper. They were confused. They were deceived. And I'm telling you today, no longer let our worship explode in a greater realm. Watershed worship is a river that will flow in times of heat no matter what you face, no matter what goes on in your life, it will not defeat you, why? Because you are walking in the priesthood of worship. And you have made a choice to be the fruited plains and to be a blessing to others. So here's a question, especially online. Have you knelt before God as your Savior? If you haven't, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you will be saved. And now you have been released into the power of the presence of God. He will be in you. And now you can move forward into the three areas of the presence of God, and you'll never be alone. Isn't that powerful? Last question, and then we'll we'll stand. The system. Have you humbled yourself in worship yet? If you haven't, it's a choice. You got your mind, you got your emotions. It's a choice. Amen. I like my music. I like certain songs. But when I get into worship, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I'll tell you what, songs that we have at Valley are powerful. They move my spirit, they move my soul. And that's why I'm here. As much as I got a lot of people seeing me, talking with them, all the different things. And then I look at the clock and I say, Jeremy, give me 10 minutes. I throw water in my face, gargle, mouthwash, all kinds of stuff. So, I don't knock you down by my breath or whatever. And then I get out here because I want to be here at the beginning of worship. Why? Because I'm a priest, I'm a worshiper. Will you do the same? Let's all stand.